Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to this time of opening up your word, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Reveal yourself to us today, O Lord, that our hearts might love you even more and be drawn to you even more. O Lord, as we look at salvation, justification by faith alone today, O Lord, let us grow in our appreciation for your sacrifice and your gift, grace, which leads to faith. Oh, where would we be? Where would we be without your saving grace? And Lord, if there are any today, Lord, who are here and they're seeking salvation and anything else, Lord, open their hearts and let them see. Let them respond to your grace today in faith. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me. Romans, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, looking at verses 19 through 25a this morning, just the first part of 25, Romans 3, 19 through 25. <clears throat> As we continue our series of celebrating the Reformation, celebrating the Reformation. Now, to give you a review, I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've been here and uh, been looking at the Reformation. So to give you kind of a review of where, we're be, where we have been, as we are coming up on the 500th year anniversary of the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, that uh, will take place October 31st. That was the day that Martin Luther pinned his 95 theses to the uh, door there at the church in Wittenberg and sparked the Reformation, which blew into flame. And so we are products of that, and so we want to remember that as we celebrate that 500th year. And so in doing that, we're looking at the five solas of the Reformation. These are five hallmarks that kind of came out of the Reformation. So far, we've looked at sola scriptura, which is Scripture alone. Scripture alone is our only foundation and authority. It is our main authority, our only authority for life and faith uh, second, we looked at sola gratia, which is grace alone. Grace alone, our only method of salvation is God's grace alone. And today we come to sola fide, sola fide, which is faith alone, faith alone. And so that's what we are looking at today. You found your place there in Romans chapter 3. Starting in verse 19, let's, if you would stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Now 
Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of His holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he hide its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. The day of judgment is coming. It's coming, and it's coming quickly. And we look at the world around us, and we can't help but think that the Lord Jesus will be coming soon, very, very soon. And each one of us will, on that day, stand before the judge of the universe, the judge of creation, and he will rule as we stand before him. Scripture says he will open the book of life, and he will open other books. And as each one stands before him and he looks at those books open before him, he will give one of two verdicts. He will either drive home the anvil, guilty, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness, for I never knew you. Or he will bring down the gavel justified. Justified. Come into my kingdom, my good and faithful servant. But how are we justified? How do we gain that sentence of justified? Well, as we are celebrating the Reformation. The Reformation had to do, it was uh, the Reformers, they were coming out of the Catholic Church and they were, they were disputing, they were uh, protesting some doctrines that had come into the Catholic Church. Doctrines that were not biblical. And this is one of those doctrines. How is one justified? And the Catholic Church says one is justified by faith and works. By faith and works. In other words, uh, the Catholic faith believes that we are, enough, we are sure enough justified by faith, but we also have to have our works to keep that faith. And if we don't have works, then we lose 
that faith. We lose that justification. Now understand, that's not just the Catholic Church, but we see other denominations today taking that same doctrine, adopting that same belief. Free will Baptists, for one, they believe the same thing, that we are justified not by faith alone, but by faith and works. Methodists, and Assembly of God, many, many others, cling to this doctrine that we are justified by faith and works. But we stand with the Reformers and say, no, we are not justified by faith and works, but we are justified before God by faith and by faith alone. And today, as we look at this passage, we see that. We see that justification is through faith alone. Sola fide. Justification is through faith and faith alone. As we begin to look at this passage then and begin to, to dig this out, to understand this doctrine of justification through faith alone, as we look at our passage, the first truth that we need to point out here, the first truth that we need to understand, that God's perfect righteousness is the standard by which we are judged either right or not right before God. Let me say that again. God's perfect righteousness is the standard by which we are judged either right or not right before God. Going back to that scene of judgment, that courtroom scene, to be declared justified is to be, de be declared right before God. That is to have a right standing before Him. And the only way we gain that right standing before Him is to have His perfect righteousness. We see that here in our passage today. Look there at the first few verses there, verse 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that... For this purpose, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world might be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Notice what it says there. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. You see, we have a grand problem as human beings. It's the problem of comparison. We tend to look out at the world and we can see other people in the world and we can see other people in the world who are, well, not as good as we are. 
And so we, can, we began to justify ourselves. Well, you know, I may not be the best one in the world, but I'm better than this guy or that gal. And we get into this game of comparison. And the whole world does this. That's why we hear these people who say, well, you know, yeah, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. I'm a pretty good person. And you see, where they get that answer is they are comparing themselves to other people. They're comparing themselves to other people. But they have the wrong standard of comparison. You see, we cannot compare ourselves to other people when it comes to being justified before God, declared righteous before God. The only comparison that we have is God and God's perfect righteousness. And God's perfect righteousness is revealed to us in his law in the law that he gives us in this sacred book his holy word see god reveals himself he shows us what true righteousness what perfect righteousness is and the whole point and the reason that he gave us this law as this passage shows us is not so that we can try to live in accordance with this law so that we might gain favor in his sight because as it says here no one is justified by the works of the law why is that because we cannot keep the law perfectly it's impossible for us to gain righteousness in our sin-filled bodies and these bodies of flesh which are enslaved to sin, it is impossible for us to gain God's perfect righteousness. And God in His grace has given us His law to show us that. As we try to gain righteousness before God by doing works of the law, we find ourselves failing again and again and again and again. Martin Luther certainly understood that. Martin Luther was a, a genius in law. In fact, he was, a, he was studying law before he became a monk. His father had high ambitions for him, so he sent him to, to law school, and, and, and he had actually made a, quite the reputation for himself as a lawyer in law school. He just had a keen sense of, of the law. And then as he became a monk, he took that geniusness of the law with him. And as he began to study Scripture, he began to understand the finer details of God's law. And he began to understand that if our justification depends upon our work at all, our obedience to God's law at all, then we are forever doomed. That's what drove him insane. 
It drove him crazy trying to, to keep God's law perfectly. And he found that with every step of trying to keep God's law perfectly, that he only failed more and more and more. Luther had a keen understanding of this, of this standard of God and struggled with this reality over and over and over again. That's why he came to say, as we heard last time, when someone asked Luther, Luther, don't you love God? Luther said, love God sometimes, I hate God. Because as he struggled to try to keep the law perfectly, he found himself over and over and over again falling into sin. As he tried to work to obtain God's perfect righteousness, Luther saw Christ not as a loving Savior, but as a cruel judge ready to smite him with judgment at any moment. But Luther, he reached a turning point in his life. He reached a turning point, a turning point which has been labeled with, by historians as his tower experience. Because as Luther, has, he was a, a teacher there in the university at Wittenberg, he was assigned the task of teaching this book that we're looking at today, the book of Romans. And as he began to contemplate the book of Romans and read these words that we're reading today, studying these words, Luther began to come to an understanding. He began to see that there's another way to obtain God's perfect righteousness other than works of the law. So God's perfect righteousness is the standard by which we are judged either right or not right before God. So what is our hope then? If that's the standard, and we know that we can't keep God's law perfectly, what hope do we have? As we continue in our passage this morning, we see, second, God's perfect righteousness is now made available through faith in Jesus Christ. God's perfect righteousness is made available to each and every one of us through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ we are justified by grace and by grace alone we are justified by God's grace his gift continuing to look there verses 21 through 24 but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it do you see that? The righteousness of God has been manifested, has been revealed apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Oh, when Luther saw that, began to understand that, his heart began to rejoice. 
This is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, hear this, by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Notice that word justified. That word justified. What does justified mean? This is actually a judicial term. We kind of can come to understand that with just the illustrations that I've given thus far. But it brings into mind that courtroom scene of standing before God and being declared either right or not right justified or condemned before God in accordance to his law. Now, we look at this word justified there in verse 24, and that word justified is in the passive. It's in the passive. In other words, it's not an, it's not an action that we take. There's nothing that we can do to be declared just before God, but this is something that happens to us. Justified here means to be or become judicially vindicated as having complied in the requirements of God's law. As having, be, having complied with the requirements of God's law. You see what I'm saying there? To be are to become judicially vindicated as having complied with the full requirements of God's law. It's not what we do, but it's what's being done to us. It is God saying, you are justified. It's not that we have gained this right. It's not that we have gained this justification. It's not that we own it, not that we deserve it. Because we are rebels in the sight of God. But God declares it. You, my child, are justified. It's a gift of God that is given to us. But now, we understand also, as we look back at the Old Testament, that that this kind of brings up paradox of Scripture. Because if we go back to Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, we see there that God says, that that here, Exodus 34, 7 says that God is one who keeps steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. That's a paradox. How does God... Forgive iniquity and transgression and sin, yet not clear the guilty. How does he do that? How is that even possible? Because justification comes through redemption. We, my friends, are justified through redemption which Christ Jesus has purchased for us. The redemption there is an economic term. 
We have two different kinds of terms here. Justification is a judicial term. uh, Redemption is an economic term. Think of the market. And so when we come to this word redemption, redemption here means to buy back a slave or a captive, to make free by payment of a ransom. That's what it means to redeem someone. To redeem someone means to buy them back, to buy them out of slavery. And Paul uses that imagery here for us to show us what happens so that we can be justified before God. We are justified by by God's grace as a gift in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the one who went and redeemed us. He paid redemption's price for us. Christ purchased us out of captivity to sin. Christ purchased us out from under God's wrath. Notice what he says there in verse 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is all-inclusive. All of us, every single human being who's ever been alive other than one, Jesus Christ, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption, through the purchase of Christ that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. You see, here's what Jesus Christ did for us. He came to this earth and He lived the life that we could never live. He lived in complete obedience to God's law. Every requirement Every standard he met perfectly. He followed God's will to the very end. For he was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And though Jesus was without sin, though he was without fault, yet he went to Calvary's cross and he died the death of a guilty man. And there on Calvary's cross, he became a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation is a strange word. We don't use that word. What does it mean? Propitiation means to appease the wrath of God, to appease it. You see, here's where we are as sinners outside of God's grace. We are children of wrath, as we saw last time. Because of our rebellion, because of our sin against God, we rightly have deserved for ourselves, or we rightly deserve, to receive God's full wrath, His anger, His full anger towards sin, His righteous anger towards sin. That's what we deserve. Without Christ, we are children of God's wrath. But Jesus came and he became a propitiation. He appeased God's wrath. 
by dying the death of a guilty man and receiving God's wrath upon himself for our sin. So Christ redeemed us. He bought us out of slavery. He bought us out from under God's wrath by receiving God's wrath on Himself for our sin. Jesus died in our place. So we are justified by God's grace through the redemption that was given to us by Christ Jesus. And we are justified through faith. We are justified through faith. The passage here makes that clear. We are not justified by works of the law, but we are justified. We gain the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we receive this wonderful gift. It's through faith and faith alone. Faith, understand, is not a meritorious act. It's not something that we do. But faith is merely a change of attitude. It simply means turning away from our sin and our rebellion and turning to God with broken hearts, contrite hearts. And God, I have sinned. I need your grace that comes in Jesus Christ. It's believing God and His promises. We see this example for us in Scripture. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 15, there it says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 through 6 the Lord, he came to Abraham there in, in Palestine. He came to Abraham and he brought Abraham outside of the tent. And he said, look Abraham, look towards the heavens and, see the, and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then the Lord said to Abraham, so shall your offspring be. Verse 6 says, And Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord counted his belief, his faith, as righteousness. You see, because Abraham trusted in the Lord's promise, Abraham was declared just before God. Righteous. And the same kind of righteousness comes to us when we believe God. When we trust in His promise that He has given to us in the seed of Abraham in Jesus Christ. We are justified through faith alone. So God's perfect righteousness is the standard by which we are judged either right are not right before God. And God's perfect righteousness is now made available through faith in Jesus Christ. But how? 
how? How do we gain God's perfect righteousness through faith in Christ? How does this happen? I mean, we need to understand this. We need to get a vision of this. How does this happen? How do I gain God's perfect righteousness through faith in Jesus? And here's how, dear friend. God's perfect righteousness is imputed to the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Perfect righteousness is imputed to the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what in the world does that term imputed mean? What does imputed mean? To be declared righteous, we must ourselves have a positive righteousness. We must gain for ourselves somehow a positive righteousness. That is, we must gain for ourselves somehow that positive righteousness, that positive obedience, that actual obedience to God's law. We have to have that. You see, it's not, a, it's not enough just for us to be forgiven for our sins, but we also have to have a positive righteousness. We have to have obedience counted to our account. We can't go to God with just a blank slate. We have to have obedience in our account, positive righteousness in our account. So how do we gain this positive righteousness? Well, here's the beauty of what we see in Scripture, that Jesus not only paid for our sins, He not only redeemed us from our lawlessness, but he provides for us God's perfect righteousness. That's what it means there. That's what it means there when it says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested, has been revealed apart from the law. It comes to us, we gain it apart from the law. And we gain it in Jesus Christ. Because not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he lived as one of us. With all of our frailties, only without being able to sin. And he lived in perfect obedience to God's will, and God's law. And when we say that God's perfect righteousness has been imputed to those who have faith in Jesus Christ, it means that our sin has been removed and Christ's perfect obedience has been put on us, has been added to our account. So that God, looking at us, no longer sees our sin and our guilt, but he sees the perfect righteousness, the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ. This picture is painted for us in the Old Testament in Zechariah. Oh, one of my favorite passages. 
because it shows this doctrine of imputation so well. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then he showed me Joshua, that is the Lord, showing Zechariah Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. I believe the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. So he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Oh. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, is the angel of the Lord, clothed in filthy garments, clothed in sin-stained garments. And the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garment from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you. I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, was standing by. See, that's exactly what happens to us. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, our old garments are removed. Our old sin-stained garments, filthy sin-stained garments are removed. They were placed on Christ at the cross. And he takes his pure garments, his sinless garments, and he clothes us in those garments so that we stand before God not in our own sin but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are justified by God's grace alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. When Luther understood this truth his whole attitude towards god changed completely he began to love god more and more and more and he gained an, an everlasting joy dear christian we need to learn this today. We need to take this doctrine and let it seep into our brains and understand all that it means for us. As we understand justification through faith alone. This doctrine provides for us, number one, a great security. A great security. Oh, how easy it is for us to try to, to seep back into those old habits of trying to win God's favor through our works. We don't have to win God's favor. We have God's favor through faith in Jesus Christ. 
We have His favor because, he has, because Christ has His favor. And we have Jesus. We are not to get burdened down by the weight of sin. We are not to get burdened down by works of the law. But now we are able to live in obedience out of love for Christ. Not out of trying to win God's approval through obedience. You see the difference? Don't get weighted down through the law to find security in Christ. Second, this doctrine should ignite in us wondrous praise for Jesus Christ. Oh, when we come in here, we're not just singing songs about Jesus. We're singing songs to Jesus. And day in and day out, we ought to be on our feet praising Christ for the salvation He has provided for us through faith. If it was depending upon our works, we would forever be lost. But Jesus saved us through His sacrifice. And provides that gift of salvation through faith alone. Third, this doctrine should provide an everlasting joy in our hearts. And we know that we believe God. And God has counted to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that can bring us down. We know that one day we will stand before God. Looking out towards eternity. Because of faith, we will hear that verdict justified in Christ. But unbeliever, if you are here today, there's only one thing that you can do. If you are here without Christ, if you die without Christ, the verdict will come to you guilty. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. But today, if you believe God, if you trust in Jesus Christ, believed He died on the cross for your sin and was raised again for your justification to show that your penalty had been paid in full. If you believe in Jesus, trust in Him. You can be justified before God. You can know His eternal salvation. There's nothing to do no work that you can accomplish, but believe in Jesus. He alone will save you. Justification is through faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust in Him today? If not, turn to Him and give your life to Him. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, each and every Christian here today knows the struggle of sin. Each and every one of us knows the struggle of sin. And if any of us have been through that 
time in our lives like Martin Luther struggling, trying to, to win your favor through our works, Lord, we know the disappointment in that. Because we are frail, we are weak, and we are by our very nature sinners. Thank you, Lord God, that your favor doesn't come through our work of the law, but it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We praise you, Lord God, for the salvation that you give us through faith. Oh, let us be strengthened in that. Let our hearts rejoice in that. And Lord, if there be one, one today, and surely there is, who has been trying to work, work, work to win your favor, only to see themselves fail over and over and over again. Oh, Lord, let them see this truth today. The only way they stand before you justified is through faith. And let them turn to Jesus today in saving faith. Change their hearts, oh, Lord. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.